Episode 12, English 1, 1970-1987. The most constant thing in my 32 years at Marceline High School, other than my parking space, was English 1. For 17 years, I taught freshman English. For the first 15 of those years, I was the only one who taught freshman English. So every student who came through the school had me as a teacher during those years. While the subject matter remained mostly the same for those 17 years, the location didn't. I taught English 1 in a number of different classrooms. I started in the central building. For some reason, I taught the 7th graders upstairs and the ninth graders downstairs. The downstairs room was 102, to be memorialized in the student newspaper we named the 102 Review. When they decided to tear down Central, I moved to what had been the art room, directly above the old weight room. There was a little storeroom just off the classroom space with a glass door that had been painted over. Enough of the paint had worn off that you could see through in places. The storeroom had another door off the hallway. I used to leave the classroom and go into the storeroom where I could spy on the students without them being able to know if I was watching. One of my most vivid memories of that classroom occurred during the week of the bell game. The windows in the room faced the highway. I was standing at the front of the room talking about something when every single member of the class bolted for the door. Within 15 seconds, I was standing in the front of an empty room. When I found my class on the West Lawn, they explained that they had seen some Brookfield kids come onto the grounds to trash the bell, and of course they had all ran to defend it. What could I say? School tradition sometimes trumps all other considerations. Besides, I couldn't very well send 25 kids to the office. I would have been the laughing stock of the school. Perhaps the strangest place I ever taught English one was in the old gym. Because of some renovations or repair, Principal Bill Lewis assigned me to the auditorium for a semester. I remember that I had 36 students in that class. Mr. Lewis gave me a portable chalkboard that I placed on the stage. I assigned each student to a seat in the auditorium with a space between each person. And that's how I taught for four months. 
In January of that year, they moved my class to a small room upstairs. Ironically, it was harder to teach there than in the auditorium because 36 kids crammed into a tiny space practically guarantees there will be discipline problems. But that was not the most difficult room I ever taught in. I once taught in a closet on the second floor of Central. It was a small class, not a freshman English class. Only six kids. What made it hard was not the amount of space. It was that Jerry Holt was one of those six kids. As I said, the subject matter for English 1 didn't change much in the 17 years. I taught grammar and usage for one semester and literature for the other. I didn't get to pick my textbooks for my first year in the classroom. I used what some previous teacher had selected. I never replaced the literature textbooks that I inherited. In fact, when the book went out of print, I searched used book catalogs to replenish my supply as copies wore out or were lost. I did this mainly because I didn't want to give up on Pip. Pip was the main character in Charles Dickens' book, Great Expectations. In one of the greatest examples of misplaced optimism in my teaching experience, I thought I could make teenagers like this book. Seventeen years of evidence testify to the contrary. Although the book was over a hundred years old, there was a sound argument that its appeal could be universal. The premise of the story is how Pip learned that friends and family are more important than social status and popularity. The book has romance as Pip pursues his elusive dream woman, Estella. It has action with escaped convicts and struggles with mortal enemies. It has a plot twist at the end that turns the whole story on its heels. And the version in our book had two endings, one of which was intended to satisfy the hopeless romantics who believe that Pip and Estella should be together in a happy ending. With all this going for the book, I must admit that selling it to the kids was a dismal failure on my part. I have had many students over the years tell me something they remember about being in one of my classes, but not one has ever said they loved or even liked Great Expectations. I'm guessing it's because they never read it. Another inglorious episode in my career as a freshman English teacher can be blamed at least partly on Teddy Horton. Teddy taught business and English in the early 1970s. 
We carpooled together for three summers working on our master's degrees. Teddy was perhaps the funniest human being I ever knew personally. It was a joy for anyone to just be around her. Although we were good friends, I was a little jealous of her popularity with the students. I was always looking for ways to improve my standing in the student's rank of teacher popularity. Inspired by one of our graduate instructors, I decided to teach a unit on humor. Our textbook was not well suited for this venture, so we brought in other sources. I even bought some 8mm silent movies to show to the students. I remember that one was the Keystone Cops and another featured Charlie Chaplin. In retrospect, I may have concentrated a little too much on physical humor. The students had a great time during the unit. Their final assignment was to form a partnership or group and present a skit or act to the class. I'm not sure that there was much educational value to this exercise, but the classes had fun, and that's what I was going for. Two girls in one section, who shall remain nameless in this account, went above and beyond the norm for this assignment. They approached me and asked if I would be a part of their skit. Seeing an opportunity to rival Teddy Horton in popularity, I agreed. They gave me the premise for the skit. My part seemed pretty minor. Little did I know that they were misleading me in regard to my role. I don't even remember what the girls pitched to me in the way of a script or storyline. I only had a vague understanding that my part would come near the conclusion. But the end result was a classic example of humor in its most basic and crude form. They hit me in the face with a pie. I'm not sure if the spectacle of me with a pie on my face enhanced my popularity among the students, but I do know that it did wonders for the reputations of the two girls. If you're wondering who the girls were, look it up. There's a picture of it in the yearbook.